Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Glass Talk. Today, we had a great conversation with uh, Andrew Dolphin. He is the general manager for glass operations at BV Glazing in Toronto. Um, Andrew is a uh, longtime uh, friend of the uh, magazine and the industry. And uh, we had a, a fairly casual chat about just all things that are going on, what's on his mind, what's, uh, what's keeping uh, the, the glass fabricator's uh, attention these days. We got into uh, bird-friendly glass uh, a, a little bit. Uh, the city of Toronto is uh, looking at some uh, changes to its rules, uh, possibly putting bird-friendly uh, patterns on surface one, which uh, Andrew feels is going to create a lot of challenges. Um, we talk a little bit about uh, some other trends like uh, energy efficiency coatings. Andrew feels uh, we may have gone as far as we can with those and uh, triples will be the, the next step. Uh, to meet the, the codes of the future. Um, we get into uh, the proposal to build a float glass plant in Southern Ontario, what that would mean uh, for companies like Andrews. Uh, his answer there is uh, maybe a bit surprising, um, but uh, also talk a little bit more generally about, uh, about trade and global supply chains. Um, we also get into uh, an update on the Ontario Glass and Metal Association, uh, how it's uh, been impacted by the pandemic and some of the new things that it's going to be trying to, uh, to uh, keep uh, involved and keep helping out the industry, uh, even uh, as we can't get together for, for in-person events. Um, as of now, uh, the fall golf tournament is uh, still planned, but uh, we, uh, we don't know uh, for sure if that's going to go ahead. And, uh, of course, uh, Andrew being Andrew, we get into some Blue Jays talk, uh, which is great. So uh, hope you all enjoy. Uh, Andrew Dolphin from BG BV Glazing. All right, <laughs> folks, we're here with Andrew Dolphin from BV Glazing. Andrew, how you doing? Very good, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know what? It's great to it's great to talk to you today. We 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 don't get to we don't get to do the golf tournament, so uh, you know this is our uh, this is our only chance to catch up. So uh, this, yeah. is, this is this is how we're going to do it. Why don't uh, why don't you set the table for us, Andrew? Just uh, uh, you know, I just a Andrew's Andrew's at, at BB Glazing, obviously big glass fabricator in Toronto. Um, we 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 want to. Uh, uh, I, I just like to have these conversations from time to time with people in the industry so we can we can get caught up and shoot the shit and see what's on everybody's mind out there. And, and, and who better than Andrew, who, by the way, is still the reigning president, I believe, of the Ontario Glass and Metal Association. So, uh, he's a, yeah. yeah, so he's a he's a big shot for sure. Um, so, uh, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew, let's, let's start by, um, let's start with you to give, give us, a, give us a bit of your background and, and tell us what's going on with BV these days. Uh, okay. So my background working career, uh, I worked for uh, true light industries for 15 or so years. And, uh, also at Sherwood windows who do uh, curtain wall and a lot of, uh, security glazing for two years there. And uh, now I've been at BV Glazing for three years. So I serve as a uh, general manager of glass operations and uh, currently looking after panels and some other things as well. 
Yeah, you're running the you're running the plant. You're uh, you're 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 getting all the all the product uh, queued up and, and out the door on time. That's yeah. pretty much the job. Well, I'm I'm involved in quoting too. Okay. Um, and yeah. Recently, uh, selling a little. I've been selling a little to the market. Uh, God, and, really? And They're letting you to do that. Yeah. Wow. They're letting. Me, <laughs> it's actually going. It's going pretty good. It's, it was a slow start. I mean, it started during COVID, yeah. which you know obviously wasn't uh, ideal, but uh, it's starting to pick up a little momentum. You know, like we we've, we've been making glass here for quite a while, and we make really good products. So. It's being received well by the people who try us out. So that's interesting. So, so did that did that kind of open up a door there for you? Because I mean, yeah, you know, previously your salesman would have to be uh, salesperson, I should say, would have to be on the road or or you know, kind of getting out there. And of course, if you're trying to run the plant, you can't be doing that kind of thing uh, too much of it. Um, but uh, but now you know everybody's doing calls like this basically in order to to do everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, opportunity for you to get a little more involved, right? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, well, I, I mean, to tell the truth, I don't do a lot of the selling. I got some third-party guys who work uh, the areas for me. And, okay. you know, and, and, you know, not trying to do too much. It's just, uh, it's just something on top of our regular business. Like we, the company invested a lot of money and equipment here. And, you know, I want to keep it running all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right? So. That would be a good, that would be a wise career move, I think. Yeah. That would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, so, so you're, you're saying though, it might, it might work out a little better than just having the sales guys come back with the, the fully uh, quoted out estimate and, uh, and you just have to make it happen no matter what they promised. Uh, you're saying it works better when well, you're. I, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I pretty much control most of it as general manager. So I do the pricing. Uh, well, I have, someone is doing the pricing, I review the pricing, um, set lead times, all that stuff. I do all the upfront with my team. And then, uh, you know, the back end, the back end really, you know, because we've been producing for so long for our own systems, it, it really wasn't that big of a change. Right. Um, right. But, you know, it really helped us in a sense of when you start selling to customers, uh, you know, the old cliche, like, you know, even you should treat them like your customer when it's your own company. It's not always that easy to get that mindset when it truly becomes outside customers. You know, I, we've seen, you know, uh, better attention to detail and our quality, completeness, that kind of thing. So it's, it's, be, it's benefited the company overall, I would say as well. Yeah. Cool. Having a little outside presence. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So listen, what's on your mind these days? Uh, uh, we we talked about a couple of things before we uh, before we got into this. Uh, one of the things you brought up that I thought was was interesting was, uh, I, I guess, the bird friendly glass is kind of uh, kind of top of mind for you guys these days. Yeah, well, there, there's a there's a call between uh, a lot of representatives of some of the major glass fabricators and users um, in the in the Toronto market. Uh, with the city of Toronto this Friday. And, uh, you know, I'm quite interested to see how this call goes because, uh, you know, it's legislated the the uh, Toronto Green Standard is going to go to first surface only as of January 1st, 2021. Okay. Uh, with 
you know, I think if permits have been issued before that, they can be grandfathered. But basically, it's going to come pretty quick. And uh, I'm not sure how we are going, how the industry is supposed to do this. I mean, there's uh, there's one product out there, uh, Avi Protec from Walker. Yeah. But when you're talking about the first six floors of every building in Toronto, and I'm sure Peel and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, York will follow suit. I don't see how they're going to be able to even supply the market, yeah. let alone you can't get all the low ease on it, let alone size limitations, you know, let alone they don't line up and architects don't like that. I'm, I'm just curious to see, you know, with energy codes, you can't move the low E to three. And a lot of low E's are second surface only. Okay. So you're talking about taking away a lot of, options for architects too you know basically it's going to be a double silver world on three and they're not going to like that so I, i'm just interested to know what if they've done their research and understand what the repercussions are i mean you, i'm not even sure you're talking sandblasting or decals or how are we getting these markings on the first surface other than avi protec you can't do print uh no. right but yeah they yeah they had to change that uh, with the surface because I think they found out it doesn't work if it's if it's anywhere else on the glass that uh, right dude doesn't the birds don't see it or something I don't know exactly. well you know I would it would be interesting to see a little data on what if anything's happened the last 10 years with bird friendly right I mean we should if if they're able to give us the number of birds that died previously then we should know how many have been saved or, you know, how many, what's the, you know, collision rate on surface three or surface two or. Yeah. To, to me, it just seems like it went, you know, it's better on one. Well, okay. Of course it, it's gotta be better on one, but what's the repercussions for that? I'm not sure I've been fully investigated. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like you say, they've been trying different things, but I, I think that, I think the older stuff that they found that did work, was usually frit right it was it was it was some kind of a dotted frit marking or uh, lines um and and like that's just you know it's gonna fly if you got an owner that's really interested in saving birds but you know a lot of a lot of architects and owners aren't going to want that look i i don't want to come across like i don't want to save birds because i fully no, uh, I, I do i yeah. but i just i i just you know i also have to I also have to uh, produce products to go on these buildings, yeah. and I'm not sure what our alternatives other than Avi Protec are, and uh, I think that's a big problem, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be what this is going to come out in the call, <clears throat> and uh, I don't know if it's going to be are a, they a delay, but hopefully, or something, or... Are they talking, so they're talking about retrofitting? Like, they're, they're not talking about just... Oh. <clears throat> They're, they're not talking about retrofitting they're talking about new new build yeah but oh if you if you do uh change the the glass out the glazing out you would have to then go to the new uh tgs standard right right and that's the first six floor. But like existing buildings they're 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 not gonna change is can 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 walker do and i, I should have walker on but i mean can, can, can walker even do like all this like you said all the sizes that you need uh, uh, to, currently they've got a 96 by 130 sheet they do and you lose an inch and a half border around so 
Well, it's uh, you know you're talking you're at 128 then you know and then so podiums and things of that nature and commercial buildings you know that that size is passed a lot so <clears throat> yeah it's probably it's probably good enough for most things but yeah yeah good for the towers you know the and things like that but you know it's it, it's also extremely expensive right and uh, you know having they have some uh, patterns where the it's like uh, non-linear, which obviously are much better because then you don't have to worry about uh, lines not lining up and the dots not lining up and whatnot. But if they if that's the way the architect wants to go, and then you got to cut it that way, you know, you throw in three quarters of a sheet in the garbage, yeah, and then yeah, cheap, right? So yeah, there, there's also yep. all those considerations. But. And that will that will get looking pretty gross if you've got lines that don't uh, that, that that aren't aligned up from one panel to the next. That's that's. Well, I've I've been to a couple of job sites where we've done that back at True Light. So. <laughs> we had to replace it. <laughs> hard, hard hard enough getting the guys to line the things up, anyways. When <laughs> yeah. It it, well, it is hard. It is hard from the cutting table because you can only optimize it a certain way. Yeah. No. Then, that's great. Yeah. Um, that's that's tough. That's tough. Well, and I guess the I guess the question is that we were talking about before. Uh, uh, you know, uh, are 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 we even are we even going to have a lot of that business? Because tell tell me a bit about like I was saying. You know, there was this news story um, that the the top couple floors of the Scotia Bank uh, Tower are going to be empty for the first time in forty years. I, I've been I've been concerned about about commercial vacancies after this pandemic and. You know, all these companies finally make the transition to realizing that people can work from home and it it isn't really hurting their businesses. Uh, but uh, what, what what's your prediction for the downtown cores, Andrew? How, you, you were a little more optimistic than me. Yeah, I am. I'm pretty optimistic. I I know we're um, from a residential mixed use standpoint. There is still a lot of work being. Uh, being awarded out there for Toronto and all the other major cities. Um, so my my prediction is a lot of that might be, uh, you know, refurbished for condo use. Um, right. Some of the space. Right. That was, that's why I think would be the most viable way that they're going to use it. I mean, you're talking about awesome downtown sites that, you know, people would love to live there, I'm sure. You know, and one thing we were talking about before is, you know, there will be a return to the cities. Uh, you know, I read a lot of stuff about, you know, uh, people moving out to the suburbs and things like that. And, you know, one thing you can be sure of over, you know, if you, if you know human history is that we like to, we like to get back to cities at some point, right? So I, when well, in a was, couple of years, when this thing is hopefully completely behind us, that, that will start again, I think. I think I think you're probably right. You know that, that you know what that's what they did in uh, London in the in the bubonic plague. Uh, that exactly. was that was the thing was to all anybody who could afford to moved out to these country estates all all around the the, the city London England. I'm talking about not where I am in London Ontario. There was <laughs> there was nothing here then. Well, except for. Plague free, right? You're plague yeah, free over yeah, there. Yeah, we were plague free here. We yeah, uh, we we flattened the curve immediately. Uh, and uh, <laughs> no, but but yeah, and, and then I, you know, by all, by all indications, people did come back to the the city core of London, England. Uh, <laughs> didn't seem to be a long term issue. 
the core. It was more like the core grew out and swallowed up the country estates more than the other way around, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. I think there's some interesting things too about like renting space, you know, like right. so maybe a lot of smaller companies and stuff like um, who, you know, couldn't afford a floor or whatever in these buildings, maybe they're going to, I've seen some, you know, new companies and stuff popping up where they're, they're, they're doing it as rental, right? So maybe, you know, for that one big meeting a year or whatever, you're going to go to either downtown office or whatever, things like that. I mean, yep. they, they talked about um, the, the, the real estate association talked too about, um, uh, you know, that even the even the existing places are going to want larger floor plans, right? If you're still worried about COVID or yeah. worried about health or yeah. that sort of thing, so yeah, you have the existing tenant. Maybe they don't have as many people in there, but each person is you know given double the space in the in the in the area. Exactly. So that yeah. it could lead to something. I, I, and I mean, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. What a what a swank address that would be, right? Top of the Scotiabank Tower. Uh, uh, oh. The incredible view and ooh, that, that wouldn't be bad. I'd, I'd live there. I'd, I'd live, move you'd live there, would you? There you go. Yeah, sure. Scotia Bank notes. They uh, <laughs> Andrew Dolphins <laughs> ready to sign up. <laughs> that's nice. Um, let's get in. Let's get into another thing that's in the news. Uh, Xinyi, uh, big float glass producer out of China, uh, is now on its. Uh, at least its second try. I, I, I think it had some feelers out in Strathroy as well. Uh, of course, they got turned away from Guelph um, there a couple of years ago. And uh, Frank Fulton uh, just about uh, swallowed his gum uh, over that one. And, uh, and then they, uh, and now they're, now they're trying to get into Stratford and the same uh, objections are being, uh, being raised, being brought up by, by people who uh, honestly, I don't think are very well informed. Um, and, uh, tell me, Andrew, what it would mean to a company like BV glazing to be able to source primary and coated glass actually, because they're, they're, the, the plan is to do that too. Um, I, I thought that, uh, when I spoke with them, they were, they were not going to put coders in. Okay. I thought there was a plan in place for some, for some coding possibly. No. I, I thought two two float lines, and they were going to put in a, t a couple tempering furnaces and uh, some oh, cutting okay. and stuff. Okay, but anyways, which, would, which would is a very strange, very strange because you know, in a sealed unit, you just cut your <laughs> your yeah. quantity by fifty percent. Yeah. Right? You got to sell something coated. So yeah, I don't know. I I talked to them. It must have been eight months ago. They came to see me, and uh, at that point, they were still talking about no coding, but they might have changed that. Right, right. Yeah. So, what would it what would it mean to you guys uh, to be to be able to, to 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 source some glass in in Canada? Well, well, the biggest thing is using the Canadian dollar, right? So, obviously, uh, we're buying in U.S. dollars, and the fluctuation of that, you know, makes it difficult to quote. Yeah. Um, creates either excess padding or, you know, um, or you could lose your shirt kind of thing. So uh, that would be the biggest benefit, right? The biggest benefit for also for the Ontario and Quebec markets, I guess lead times with them be better. I mean, yeah. um, buying out of 
Geneva and um, some of the other glass companies, they're, they're fairly local, Detroit area, stuff like that. So lead times aren't even that bad here. That's good. Uh, where, where they have trouble is getting the drivers, <clears throat> drivers who can come back and forth from the, on the border. Right. But uh, yeah, so, you know, the, the biggest thing, Canadian dollar, some small benefit with lead time. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm not sure it, it really changes that much other than the dollar. Yeah. It's more that it's more the, um, I, I guess to me, it's more that optics, almost the pride, right. To, to, to have some float glass production happening in the, in the country somehow, like it, you feel like, you know, it's yeah. something you ought to be able to do as a, as a, as a nation. <laughs> well, you know, until very recently, you would have never thought that there could ever be a problem bringing yeah. stuff in from the States and, Right. So, yeah, there is that. I mean, you know, what if they just said no more glass to Canada or something? Right. Which yeah. before you wouldn't even just you didn't even think about. Yeah. But, you know, after, after recent before. politics that, you know, could that happen? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Then. Thought. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. All these things you never thought. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we're I, I guess we're just becoming a little more sensitive, or at least maybe I am to uh, to some of the you know, the perils of the, uh, of the global supply chain. And, you know, not that it shouldn't be, you should be able to source anything anywhere in the world that you need, obviously. But, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, is there, is, there, is there some advantage to at least having the capability in the country, right? Because, you know, it seems so silly back at the start of the pandemic when they said, oh, there's a PPE shortage. We can't even make masks, you know, in, yeah. in this country, you know, like, what? <laughs> well, yeah. That that and, and that did blow my mind a little actually. That that we couldn't transition over to make that stuff faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it should be looked at as a national security thing, right? I mean, the same with the vaccines, right? I mean, it's kind of embarrassing that a, a country like Canada can't make vaccines. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I hope we learn about that, and you know, we have to fund those kinds of initiatives and going forward. I mean. You know, if we were producing our own vaccine, we probably have, I mean, what the U.S. has got 10% of the population vaccinated now. Yeah. I don't know, we were at two or something. Like, yeah. and talking it would have made a big difference. <clears throat> talking would have made a big difference. Talking about taking vaccines out of a, uh, out of a, out of a fund that's for developing countries. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> right. So, no. and, and then, you know, the second part to that is, so we're, now we're buying the supplies that probably also need to go to more developing countries and it's the waits longer for them. Right. There's also that because, yeah. you know, until the world's kind of vaccinated, it, you know, it, it's not really, it's not really over. Right. Because of travel and things like that. So. Yeah. It only slows things uh, down to not, yeah. to not vaccinate them because yeah, they're all over the place. Um, did you guys ever have um, a, a lot of guys complained to me about the, uh, the COVID programs, the, the government programs and their workers wouldn't show up. Uh, you guys ever run into that? No, uh, we we really we had one issue in uh, one department, and uh, you know we we got through it by using our resources from other departments to try and help. You know, we're we're quite a big company here. There's probably about 300 shop floor guys, so we were able to to get through it. But yeah, especially at the start, right at the start when people were really afraid, 
but you know since say june onwards it's been it's been okay we've been doing good that's good that's good that's good to hear yeah it was i think also some of the um it was it was sometimes more out in the field they had they had trouble getting guys on installation crews to uh to really to really get out and step up and you know there were some of the people that didn't pay as much more more on the residential side more on the 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 home window side uh you know these people are getting paid minimum wage anyways so collecting your serb or your uh cws or whatever and sitting on the couch seemed just as just as good for the well the, the, the problem is though if, if you don't have your roe your record of employment as laid off you're paying it back in a couple months too right so i i'm not sure the government if i want to criticize it a little bit truly gave the correct information to everybody that that, that ain't free money right like you you need to be laid off for covid reasons and they're going to check it now yeah and so you know that Two thousand dollars for a lot of those guys. If they were off for a couple months, say four thousand dollars, that's going to be a real blow come tax time. So. Yeah, for sure, absolutely, man. <clears throat> what's going What's going on with the? Have you guys had an OGMA meeting lately at all? Uh, yeah, we've been doing virtual meetings. Uh, I mean, COVID really hit the OGMA hard. Uh, yeah. You know, we are really geared towards in-person events. Yeah. You know, we, we, we like to think of ourselves as kind of the networking facilitator of the industry. Yeah. So <clears throat> when all that just up and gone, you know, it, it took a little while for us to start to try and pivot. Um, you know, we're, we're also a volunteer organization. So, you know, remaking things is a little slower. We all got jobs. We've all, you know, we, yeah. it's not a, we don't have any full-time OGMA employees. So. But uh, on the horizon, though, first, I, I would like to say that anyone who's paid their uh, 2020 invoice will not be receiving a 2021 invoice, okay. you know, because we, we didn't really get much value for our, for our members. So we've all decided to, to uh, not charge 2021 dues. But recently, we've been stepping up a bit of an information campaign through email blasts. We've been doing some stuff on COVID. Um, some stuff on uh, how uh, employers can get more benefits and things like that. So we've been doing that and we are now in the process of releasing some white papers, which you can see on our website or uh, we're gonna be sending them as an email blast. The first one's gonna be on uh, <clears throat> inspecting finished aluminum, which I think the industry kind of lacks a real standard. So uh, Vice President of the OGMA, Jeff Makimoto, put together a really nice white paper that we'll be releasing very soon. Get out. And then the idea is we want to do one white paper per month kind of thing. So, you know, the next one is going to be on sealants and then so on and so on. So we'll, you know, because other than networking, we like to think of ourselves as information providers. So, yeah. you know, uh, and then maybe at the start of the pandemic, we were a little too optimistic about when we would be back and now you can see like you know we're we're not even sure we're gonna have a fall golf tournament this year now yeah. so so we, we've we're trying to pivot we're trying to you know still give value to our members but as soon as we're able to we're we're going back to in-person stuff that's that's our bread and butter that's what we like doing i love the idea though that's cool so what do you so what do you have to know to inspect finished aluminum have you read what the do you have to know? 
Yeah. Well, it's really there's there's just no standard. So you know, the, somebody might have their nose on it. Somebody says stand ten feet. Someone says stand five feet. How's the lighting? Yeah. You know, uh, some of these things are addressed for glass and things like that, but not really for aluminum. So huh. this this is gonna kind of put the industry norms down on paper a little and 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 give a document that people can hopefully use in their uh in their you know on sites and things like that so yeah yeah just a just a standard that everybody can sort of point to and say well you know i yeah. i realize i realize you don't like how it looks from six inches away but that's not really how we're uh it's not really exactly yeah exactly yeah, so jeff did that eh? that's good yeah it's and it's really good it's coming like i'm sure we'll see it definitely in march will be the first one and uh then we're working on a sealants one with uh, with Lee. Lee's working on our sealants one. You know, like a 50-year Tremco guy. So who better than that to yeah to write up something? <clears throat> and then uh, yeah, we're gonna go from there and just start releasing those as, as something to stay a bit relevant. You know. Well, I will. Uh, I'll have to. I'll have to make sure I link to that in the channels and uh, Glass Canada will point everybody at. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. We have, I was going to talk to you about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, I, I, hey, man. I, <laughs> if I can, if I can find good technical information, I'm putting it out there for sure. Hey, right. well, speaking of technical stuff, uh, we've talked on and off about uh, all the thrilling new equipment you guys have put in. Uh, tell me, uh, tell me what you got. Tell me what you've been doing. And uh, and how uh, how nice all your new uh, your new toys are out in the plant. Well, it's it's been uh, almost two years with this equipment now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we put in a we put in a new jumbo Lysic cutting table yeah. with the uh, overhead gantry, Lysic overhead gantry crane, yeah. sixty seven pick positions. Uh, we had the these racks fabricated at our commercial division. Yeah, they do. They got really good steel workers up there. So yeah, he made uh, yeah. yeah, and it's you know it's your standard. It's uh, you know X Y Z cutting shapes, maximum one thirty two or four inches. Yeah, uh, three to nineteen millimeter. It's a it's our workhorse here now. It's a it's a great cutting table. Cool. Uh, we've got online edge deletion, which is really nice. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, we got that, and then uh, we put in two new Lysic IG lines as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Max uh, 96 180 with uh, gas fill press. Um, we're still using standard bar spacers. Uh, we didn't we didn't go to the TPS route, but um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And then we put in a new furnace FC 500. Yeah. FC 500 from Glaston. Mm. uh is fabulous we get really really flat glass coming out of, out of our boat we have two glass and furnaces now yeah and uh silkscreen line so we're doing uh you know for bird friendly free bird for now <laughs> we were we were yeah uh, that's what we're doing so uh yeah it's a full it's a full glass plant it's uh yeah you know from when i started three years ago to today it's I mean, the 2018 was crazy, putting in all kinds of equipment and stuff like that. And then uh, now we're really starting to, you know, get the shop going really efficiently. You know, all our quality documentations out now, and we've had workers for a little bit longer time. And you know, we uh, 
it's really coming together. It's very exciting. Okay, here's here's and we're, and we're constantly looking at new toys as well. So I, I spend a fair bit of time looking and pricing and seeing what's next. You know, whether digital printers. Just like my yeah. wife, you're shopping online all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm not buying everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I should hope not. <laughs> so so, okay. You guys, you got you got all this. T tell me about the experience of of uh, all this automation, right? Um, uh, before a lot of this, I mean, it's not like you didn't do you didn't have automated stuff, but I mean, you know, now you've got pick and place gantries, you've you've got you've got automated lines that are that are doing a lot of this stuff without anybody putting a hand on it. Um, what what's that? What what's the impact on your production been because uh, uh, because of that? Well, you know, like the less times you're touching things, obviously, you know, your quality, yeah. you know, glass, glass handling is where you create a lot of your scratches and scuffs. And, you know, especially when you're dealing with low ease and things like that, they are very easily damaged. <clears throat> so, you know, a lot of that's helped. And, uh, you know, even just updating our carts and things like that to make sure that the you know, the, we got the right padding and the correct wheels and fixing the floors and all those things, you know, just to try and uh, reduce the amount of recuts you have because, you know, it's a killer in the glass fabricating. You know, it's, it's one thing that people who don't live it don't understand is, you know, you're remaking anywhere from, you know, two to 10% of every order. <laughs> and right. You know, try try actually implementing that into a production plan makes life very difficult. So, you know, the lower you can get it and the and the more consistent you can get it, then you know, you can really put better plans in place. So Yeah, that's the, it's, that's it's the difference for that. That's the difference in, in, in your process, uh, or I th I think just a slight difference in emphasis versus uh, when I, I, I used to do a lot in automotive. And um, and there it was all speed. It was all it was all shaving off yeah. a second here, a second there on 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 every part you made, right? You guys have got to be, you you guys I think are your margins are on the rework, right? Like you're yep. really making sure you don't screw up the stuff you've already done. Yeah, it, it's it's a different kind of thinking, especially to automotive. Like you you, you can't believe the number of really smart good people you see come into into the glass and metal world here and uh and struggle from from automotive because it's just so different that your mindset has to be different you know it uh your budget is different <laughs> how you do things is, is completely different and, and you gotta kind of let go from that and obviously in that industry that's the mindset you need but it, it's a lot different when you're producing glass and frames and things like that, you know, where everything's unique, you know, where you got a car, it's, you know, yeah. repetitive production. It's not like that when you're building, you know, when you're building windows. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Was um, now, you know, the, the, the buzzword there for a lot of years was this internet of things stuff. How, how, how much, like how far into like connectivity of, of, of the equipment and feeding data uh, back to you, uh, you know, how, how much of that have you guys gotten into or, or is it just not something that applies well to this field? Well, we, we're running, uh, we have 
A&W software here, and uh, that gives us a lot of the data for uh, what we're producing and whatnot, so yeah. uh, how we're producing. The, the furnaces are equipped with uh, uh, Osprey technology for uh, your roller wave, and we've also got thermal scanning in the furnaces, and it, it's measuring your bed load and things like that. Right. This is all very useful information, but uh, some of the stuff you're talking about there. Now we haven't made some of those some of those leaps yet. Yeah, I I just I'm not even sure. Like you say, I'm not even sure how well it always applies in a in a in a a situation where you're basically batch production, right? I, I'm not sure a lot of those concepts translate very well uh, when it's not a mass production uh, type uh, scenario. But uh, yeah. About that. Yeah, there's a lot more changeovers. There's a lot more, you know, recipe changes and just it's it's you know once well, it's not repetitive, of, it becomes difficult. Yeah, a lot a lot of that a lot of that tech can be. Um, I, I guess they like that for some of that though because they say they can do things like predict when you're going to need, uh, you know, to change tools out or you're going to need maintenance or you're going to need, uh, uh, you know, this. Oh yeah. Yeah, we, we have that kind of software in a lot of our equipment. So I can go in and, and check the hours and things like that. Yeah, well, yeah. especially like the Lysic equipment has the capabilities and stuff. And same with the with the furnaces. So yeah, yeah, that is something that we have that we check on. So you guys parts and things like that. So right. So you guys are still cranking pretty good on the on the uh, multifamily residential, right? Is that the big demand right now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean. Um, Really, my my life, working life hasn't changed during COVID. Yeah. I've been coming into the office every day, um, you know, and we've been very busy, blessed to be busy, and yeah. looks like it's going to be a pretty strong year, and next year is filling up nicely. So, you know, it's uh, it really and uh, very thankful hasn't hasn't affected me that much in a in a working sense. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> A little different, a little different from a personal standpoint, obviously. But uh, <laughs> working career has been very similar. Yeah, we got. It. I, I, it, I, I'm, I'm missing the, I'm missing the golf tournaments. Those are always, those have always been fun. The OGMA uh, tournaments, but we'll. Uh, yeah. You know, hopefully, hopefully by the fall we'll all have had the stab and we can. You know. We'll so like we, we have officially canceled the spring one. We haven't done anything with the fall. I mean. I'm always optimistic that, you know, hopefully by then maybe we can hold one, but I'm, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it today. Let's say that. Let's get to the real issue. How are the Blue Jays going to do this year? Dolphin Springer, baby. Can you believe that? I, uh, no, I was a little shocked at the money they're spending. Yeah. You know, Ryu caught me off guard last year. I, I thought they were going into full, uh, you know, but like with this young talent, with a guy like Springer, good veteran. Yeah. Uh, you know, when when they reported uh, the other guy coming, I almost swerved off the road, which they which yeah. they got wrong there. <laughs> I, but uh, you know, it looks like they're going all in, right? So yeah, you know, yeah. and you kind of have to when you when you live in a division with the Yankees. So yeah. Although you know, it's nice the Red Sox are not going to be as good this year, so this is a year to take a run at it. No, I, I don't have to upgrade the pitching still though. Yeah, they need, yeah, they need, they need pitching. I, I, I would love to see them get Paxton just cause he's Canadian, but they, you know, Walker's maybe better. 
but uh, I, I, I think, I think Springer's going to be a, a phenomenal addition. That, that guy scared the crap out of me on Houston. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> of course they, they were banging, they were banging garbage cans for him. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I, 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 I'm glad to see him. I'm glad to see him up here. And I, I just, I'm not sure what they're going to do with the infield. I'm not sure how I feel about Biggio playing third, but uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know if he has the arm strength for that position, but we'll see. I thought he looked okay at third. Yeah. So, he's all right. Definitely better than having junior there. <clears throat> I know he's, he's yeah, campaigning yeah. for another shot at third. I, I'm not sure I like that, but. Vladdy needs. Vladdy Let's needs. If he, uh, if he comes needs, back in shape too, there, there's some good reports that he's yeah. really taking his off season seriously. So yeah, yeah, he, he, it's, he, time, he, it's time for him to have a big year. I think. He's got to have. He's got to have a big year this year, or else, or else the questions are really going to start to start to pile up on that guy. All right, we've done glass talk. We've done Blue Jays talk, Andrew. I think we've. I think we've covered it pretty good. So. Uh, what, uh, what, what, anything else on your mind these days? What's, 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 what's in the mind of, uh, what are the guys talking about when they, uh, when they're out there selling stuff? What's, uh, what's, what's keeping, what's keeping you guys up at night? Well, like two, two things I'm really interested in right now is going to be, um, VIG and, uh, <clears throat> and photovoltaic and yep. Yep. in the next five, 10 years. You think people you know, are ever going to pay for that stuff? You think people are ever going to pay for that stuff in a in a in a big way? Uh, well, I think building codes might force them to right. at some point, maybe. Right. Um, and I think there's been some, you know, definitely some huge breakthroughs in the uh, in the storage with photovoltaics, right? So now you can actually you know, store the electricity that the building. I just see a future where those two things really take off. And, uh, you know, I was, just, I was just on a call with uh, Schneider Electric um, and at uh, the uh, IBX uh, show, and uh, they were showing that off. They've got, uh, well, they, they, they had a res, they were showing me a residential solution, um, but uh, they, they have, you know, pretty compact, nice solutions for storing solar energy and you know i know tesla's got that kind of stuff too and uh right. if uh you know you think if you can integrate that into buildings you might and then you can do your trade-offs with your energy modeling you might be able to to do some nice things with your buildings um save some money and uh and uh yeah still hit those energy standards if, with that kind of tech <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I know the the next set of window standards coming out are going to cause some real some real issues uh, with low E's. Like so, now the you know fourth surface low E's and triples are going to be really what you need to get to these new standards mm-hmm. um, because uh, basically, like you know, the the technology of coatings is has reached its limit. Uh, you know, they, every coating they put, every silver has a diminishing return. And after three, and there is one on the market that has four, SP80, uh, it's just no point putting any more coatings on it. Uh, so, you know, as, so what do you do now kind of thing, right? So I think it's going to be, you know, and they've been saying this since I started in the industry, which, you know, 
almost 20 years ago, that triples were going to be the big thing, right? But I think that's actually coming now. Triples and fourth surface low E's. Because you're not going to be able to reach these energy standards with with just a you know your standard double IGU with uh, low E on surface too. We're going to be able to get enough glass if everybody goes to triples. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Not worried about it. I, I don't worry about that. No, they the glass company. I think they, you know. Was it about a few years ago? Was it three years ago where we had that minor shortage? You know, that was a series of flow plants going out through a tornado, an explosion, you know, all these random events. And and they still supplied the market. Wow, they were importing a lot of glass from from overseas. Mm -hmm. But and you always have that possibility, right? So I, I don't see it being a problem. Especially when we're making our own glass uh, in Canada, too. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, right. Any day now. Yeah. We'll take on that third light. We're the third light market in Canada, you know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, listen, pal. On that note, I want to say thanks very much. You're Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. It was an honor. Yeah. Entertaining conversation. And we'll, uh, we'll make you famous all across Canada. Not that you're not already, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's infamous. I think the word is infamous. You're looking for. <laughs> All right, folks. That was Andrew Dolphin from BV Glazing. Thanks so much. We'll uh, catch you next time on Glass Talk. Thanks, Patrick. Take care. Thanks for listening to Glass Talk. You can find this episode at glasscanadamag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada Magazine and Annex Business Media.